Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, I had to record a second Lakers Lowdown because of counter leaks after it would appear the Lakers realized how people would respond to the Lakers firing Frank Vogel or potentially getting ready to, and by the way, they still might be, but potentially getting ready to fire Frank Vogel after the biggest win of the season. Uh, I was going to delete the prior podcast. If you haven't checked it out yet, you should before you listen to this one or after, it doesn't matter. But I look, everything that I said in there, honestly, still true. Earlier... Today, this morning, we got reports that the Lakers were ready to fire Frank Vogel if the Lakers lost in ugly fashion to the Utah Jazz. Uh, Then Dan Wojcicki of the LA Times reported that that is still the case, that they were still ready to fire Frank Vogel depending on the outcome of that game. However, (laughs) the Lakers wound up winning We get the entire news cycle from earlier today, and now uh, Dan is reporting that the Lakers have no plans to replace Frank Vogel, which, like, okay, but, I mean, nobody honestly believes it is the thing, and that's, that's what happens when the news cycle gets completely away from you. You can't have that information out there about Frank Vogel without a commitment to firing the guy. Um, I don't think he should have been fired, but this is just a complete mishandling of PR, which, hey, way to go, brand new PR team. (laughs) And then, so you have uh, Frank Vogel is now apparently, quote-unquote, safe, and we get more information, however, on how some of these decisions and how the inner workings of the Lakers have been going, and it's a whole bunch of rambus. Kurt Rambis is more closely linked to accidental online happenings than he is any kind of coaching adequacy or, you know, basketball instincts after he left Phil Jackson. Uh, and, And yet, apparently, he has all kinds of sway with the Lakers, and he chose to use that sway, uh, before in the morning before the Lakers played the Utah Jazz basically telling Frank Vogel he thinks that the Lakers need more Dwight Howard and get this more DeAndre Jordan man hard to believe that guy has struggled as a head coach in the NBA nobody could possibly see that coming well anyway the Lakers wind up starting Dwight Howard And we laughed. I laughed last night at the uh, plus-minus numbers of the starters and of the bench unit. Surely just completely coincidental there. And then, you know, it also makes you wonder, all right, so LeBron wants to be starting at the five. Vogel wants LeBron starting at the five. Dwight Howard winds up starting at the five. And... I don't want to exist in a world where Kurt effing Rambis can override Frank Vogel and potentially LeBron James. Especially, by the way, when the 
<laughs> two cents that he's lending into the situation are, hey, we need to go back to the antiquated way of ba- playing basketball because that's what the Lakers have clearly needed. Look, we don't know how all of this is going to play out. We don't. I mean, we have a pretty good idea that there are people in the organization, up and down the organization, that probably want Frank Vogel gone. That is probably something that we can pretty reliably say right now. We also know that the Lakers have chosen nepotism and cronyism over a meritocracy that you would prefer to see with your favorite professional sports team or just in general, but in this case with your favorite professional sports team. And sometimes nepotism, cronyism works out. Sometimes you do find gems when it comes to people who are capable at their jobs. Uh, Jesse Buss is somebody who comes to mind who in his very isolated uh, aspect of the organization that he runs or helps run, the Lakers have operated at a very high level. The Lakers scouting department is one of the better ones in the NBA. They have an incredible track record right now. Sometimes it works out. Other times, Jim Buss happens, right? Other times, and this is where it's really kind of tough here, Jeannie Buss happens, and she doubles down on the cronyism and nepotism. Instead of, this is the Lakers. Like They could, you just send out a flyer out there. You just say, hey, you could come here and run the Lakers. And just about every upper echelon name in the sport would say, would at least seriously consider it. Some might turn it down because the rot just might be too deep. If Kurt Rambis is walking around your organization with the confidence to be able to tell Frank Vogel, somebody who won a championship 15 months ago, how he should be coaching, the rot just might be too deep. And this tree might just fall over. But there are still going to be some people, just because it is the Lakers, it is a resume maker. It is <laughs> it is the kind of job, you know, like Alabama before Nick Saban took it over. Nick Saban took that job because it was like, well, look, if I can make it work at Alabama, that is a lifelong deal that I could just, that could be the rest of my life. And I can choose my jobs after that if I really decide to leave. Coach K, ask how things have worked out at Duke, right? After he decided, all right, this is what I, this is what I'm going to focus for the rest of my life on. The Lakers should be that kind of gig. They should be able to just say, "Hey, Masai Ujiri, what are you up to? Hey, Bob Myers, what are you up to over there? Hey, so and so, hot shot executive, hot shot up and coming." Coach, what are you up to? And yet, we have the freaking Rambi. And by the way, and I'm going to say this again. I said this in the in the uh, lowdown from maybe 15 minutes ago, if you guys already listened to that. But I'm going to say it again. This is the kind of news cycle that 
you are just forced to deal with when you root for an organization that does not run at its optimal levels. This is just how it works. If you have people who either are not good at their jobs, which, you know, the verdict is is still out on most of these people. If you have people hired for the wrong reasons, which clearly that is the case with a couple of the people involved in this entire situation. And also, if the smarter people in your organization aren't empowered to the point where if they say something, people just don't listen to it. People just let that water run off a duck's backside. And and I think here with the Lakers, look, LeBron came to the Lakers and he, you know, said at the time that he was really looking forward to working with Magic Johnson. Now we know how it worked out with Magic and he left and it's about as embarrassing a moment as the Lakers have had to deal with. And after that, the Lakers still, look, you had LeBron James, you had the assets clearly to be able to go out and get Anthony Davis. The Lakers then could have hit something of a reset button with nothing but runway ahead of them. They decide instead, we're going to keep Rob Palinka. Well, Palinka, then, look, he makes the Anthony Davis trade, and that Anthony Davis trade winds up winning you a championship. And in that sense, to a certain extent, that is kind of beyond criticism. However, what I will say, though, is that while Rob Polinka, you know, won the trade by just landing Anthony Davis, he didn't win the negotiation. There was nobody competing with the Lakers to be able to trade for Anthony Davis there. The, the Boston Celtics weren't going to give up Jason Tatum. The Knicks, <laughs> Kevin Knox just got traded as part of what people consider a one-sided trade for Cam Reddish just last week. And that was somebody who the Knicks considered a centerpiece of their offer for Anthony Davis. The Lakers, if you look at the trade that they made, right? Josh Hart is a 10 million plus NBA player right now. Brandon Ingram has since won an award. Lonzo Ball is probably, if he he plays enough this year, is probably going to be up there for all defensive teams right now, plus the picks that the Lakers handed over, plus the potential pick swaps that the Lakers handed over there. There was nobody remotely close to the Lakers there. And Palenka lost that negotiation. Like, that's how that went. And it just so happens that David Griffin has since bungled the entire situation afterward. But still, the, the Lakers can have won the trade but lost the negotiation. And then, you know, you look at what has happened since then. Uh, now, I, I think to Polinka's credit, the offseason that the Lakers had after they swung and missed on Kawhi Leonard, which, by the way, kind of an indictment of itself that they weren't able to convince Kawhi to come and play with potentially Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But whatever, even if you don't want to hold that against Rob Polinka. You can say, all right, after that, he had a plan in place. You know, he overpaid Danny Green so that Danny would wait and see how that would go. Um, there were a, a, a couple other role players on the peripheries that he, you know, convinced to wait and see how uh, the Kawhi thing would shake out. And then 
acted very quickly to bring them in and save what would become a a, a championship level offseason. After that, however, he ran in the opposite direction of what actually won them the championship. And then this last offseason has doubled down. And, you know, you add to that the Ty Lu just hilarity where they thought they had the guy signed. They tried to force on him Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, they they wanted to make the head coach, but didn't like didn't want to deal with the optics of hiring Jason Kidd. Uh, which again is you know, if you think somebody's capable of being a head coach, clearly in the NBA, optics are something that people will eventually just get over. Um, and then the other thing too is, you know, you you had a shot at Ty Lue. You buy him the birthday cake. That didn't work out. Uh, you you also are interested in Monty Williams. He's your second choice. That doesn't work out. You go with Frank Vogel, your third co- choice. And again, the Lakers were able to stumble into enough organizational talent to win a championship. All they've done since then, though, with Frank Vogel is give this guy a hilariously short extension and now he's dealing with the will they won't they in terms of whether or not they're going to fire the guy and and yeah the Lakers won a championship with LeBron James and to a certain extent you know if you're high if you're holding them to a higher standard than that it is simply because of Lakers exceptionalism and fine if you don't think that you should hold them to exceptional levels because they are the Lakers then the Lakers no longer trade in the exceptionalism business. They then just become just like every other inadequate franchise out there. A franchise that doesn't pay its its luxury taxes, they still won't just flat out release DeAndre Jordan, though we kind of know why, given Rambus's two cents from earlier. But they still won't just waive players to open up roster spots. Won't do that. Yeah, it's just this is where the Lakers are. And maybe it works out despite that because there is so much organizational talent. You still have LeBron. You still have Anthony Davis. And we'll see what the Lakers can can figure out here. But if you think about it from this standpoint, you have to be some special level of inept to make a LeBron James and Anthony Davis team not a serious title contender. You can point to injuries and all that and fine. But And you can say that when Russ and AD and uh, LeBron were out there on the court without Rondo, without DeAndre Jordan, that they had, a, I think it's like a plus nine, or, or it's, a, it's, it's an impressive number, the net rating that the Lakers have when those three are on the court and the other people are not. But the other people still have to be taken into account because the people who are making these decisions, whether it's Palinka, whether it's LeBron himself, Anthony Davis himself, the Rambi, no matter what math you're doing here, you can't just altogether ignore the worst instincts that some of these people who were making the decisions are capable of. Because at the end of the day, Rambus hasn't learned shit from his failure in New York and his failure in Minnesota. He hasn't learned anything. Hopefully he learned the, the private browser on his, on his computer. But beyond that, there is no proof based on the leak from today that he has learned anything from a basketball standpoint. And why should he? His reward 
after he got he failed hilariously in both of those two spots was eventually to become heavily influential in the Lakers organization. So why learn? What's the impetus to learn? And that's my last point here. Again, the most frustrating part of this Lakers season is that given how frustrating it has been, there is no proof whatsoever that any of the people responsible for how frustrating the season has been will ever be held to account. There's no proof whatsoever. And if there is no reason for any of these people to learn from their mistakes, then they're just going to keep on making mistakes. And that's a really dark path to, to head down, is that the people who have thoroughly screwed up a team that looked like it was getting ready to rip off two or maybe three championships, they've turned that into whatever the hell this is. Like, why would I believe that the Lakers are capable of turning it around? I don't. That's a sad fact here. I do not. We're just in for the ride now. I'm Anthony here. We'll talk to you tomorrow.